episode 85, Teresa Levis. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. All right, today's episode with Teresa Levis from Ascentis is basically sharing a how-to guide for companies to assess their gender pay equity. She kicks off by setting the stage on this longtime problem and then shares how we can intervene to continue helping it get better as a whole. Let's dig in. Teresa Levis, welcome to Gut Plus Science. We are thrilled to have Ascentis as a partner to this show and excited to kick off with a needed topic like this. So we've never had someone speak into this topic today, so really excited about it and an awesome topic to launch our partnership. So why and how to impact gender pay equality in the workplace? That's where we're going to go with this. But here's where I want to start is level setting. I'm a big big data stats person, lay of the land. So how big of, big of a problem is gender pay inequality today? It is definitely timely. We've heard more and more about it over recent years. So to answer your question, it is a problem and it's not going to go away until women are in the workforce as much as men. And, you know, we can look at it on a global scale. We can look at it typically just North America. And when you look at it in North America, the problem is not as bad as when you look at it worldwide because you think of about organize, you know, women in the workplace across the globe. But here in the United States, women make 82 cents on average for every dollar a man's paid. In fact, March 31st is what they call Equal Pay Day. Have you ever heard of that? You know, I have, but go a little deeper there. So if you take a man and a woman and you hire them both January 1st of last year, December 31st, you close out that year and the man makes X dollars. It takes till March 31st of that following year. So basically an extra three months or a quarter for that woman to make the same amount of money. All right. So here's the deal. We're two women passionate about the workplace in this topic. And so I'm just going to write myself a sticky note to no swearing, Nikki, no, no getting on a soapbox of too fired up. So, okay, keep going. Yes. So March 31st is equal pay day. And, and the thing that really came to light when I was doing a little bit of thought processing on this topic for this podcast is with the Corona pandemic, this is going to have a negative effect. Because when you think of the types of jobs where people are typically getting laid off, what's the percentage of women that do those jobs, right? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's high, right? A lot of those jobs are in restaurants or service industries, and those are typically dominantly uh, women jobs. So they are going to come out of the workforce even more. And right now, it's about a 78 to 55%. So 78% of the workforce is men, 55% is women. So again, full circle, until we have equal, you know, participation in the workforce, it's going to be really hard to get equal pay. Yeah. Talk about how the problem is changing. Maybe like rewind to the past, I don't know, five, 10 years. What is the trajectory looking like? Are we going in the right directions, getting better or worse or what? We are going in the right direction for, for a number of reasons that I can get into. For example, over the past five years, it has continued to decline. But one thing, uh, a point of distinction to, to talk about is when people talk about pay equality, they talk about it sometimes, you know, when I said 82 cents, right? That's a general statistic. 
when you really get into the detail, you need to start looking at what we call uncontrolled and controlled. So an uncontrolled gap is take all the men, all the women, do an analysis on a particular area or, or uh, industry, and right now that has moved up five cents in the last five years. If you look at controlled, which is taking men and women in the same job and the same industry with the same level of experience, that has moved up one cent. So they're both moving in the right direction. Right now, the last time I looked, the controlled group, which means the apples to apples, women made 98 cents for every dollar a man makes, which, you know, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, yay, that's really good. But then I'm like, why should I even have to say that's good? <laughs> we should be equal. So that's the conundrum right there, right? The other comment I'll make on this is I am hopeful it's going to continue to get better because when you look at where we're at as a society now and you look at the younger generation and the young girls, you know, I have a niece who is just entering her teens and She's proud to be a girl and the whole analogy of, oh, you throw like a girl. Well, now it's like, yeah, you throw like a girl because girls kick ass. So the, the society is changing and people are looking at women differently than they used to. So I think that it will eventually come full circle, but it's still going to take a while. And again, when you look at that worldwide, not everyone has that progressive attitude. So I think we still do have a ways to go. So, okay. So for our leader listener audience here, that's like thinking, scratching their head maybe and saying like, what's happening in my workplace? So in order to make change on anything, we got to know where we're going, but we, more importantly, we've got to know where we're at right now and then bridge that gap. So how do leaders like get a baseline or an understanding of where they are right now? So it's analysis, essentially. You need to get an inventory of all of your salaries. Then you need to look at all of your gender you know, pocket them into genders. But you can't just look at that. You have to go beyond that to get to that controlled. Because the controlled, in my mind, is really what's the, the more important one, right? Because when you want to look at variables such as skill level and experience and job and role they play and impact they have, you want to be comparing apples to apples. But at the same time, if women aren't being given the opportunity, which I think we're going to talk about as well, that can have a, a negative effect. There are tools, you know, again, uh, I work for an organization that offers these kinds of tools that can help organizations with this because it's, it's a very manual process if you don't have tools in place. Having to go in and figure out all those salaries, run an analysis, look at an Excel spreadsheet. If you can't look at your organization holistically, it's going to be really challenging. And so frankly, a lot of companies just ignore it because it's too hard. It's easier just to not do anything. Yeah. But it's great to know that like people like you and companies like Ascentis have these tools to make these things easier and, and make change happen. Can you kind of illustrate what these tools look like? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. Well, first of all, you, you want to have an, a, a database or an environment that you can have this data housed in. So you want a human capital management solution. But that would give you the report. But then you want to be able to do some analysis on it and slice and dice that information. So we, in our, in our solution, we have some tools that when you go in and you look at everyone's salaries, you can compare those salaries to levels of experience. You can compare them to gender, you can compare them to 
pay for performance, which is another hot topic that I think we're going to discuss here that has a, a bearing on it. And the system has all of that data, you know, normalizes it essentially for you so that you're not manually trying to do it yourself. So, okay, I've got so many questions off of what you just said. Let's start with mindset. So if you could just mentor for a second, anyone that's listening right now, and maybe you've already said a little bit of this, but just to really hone in on the leadership mindset that you suggest adopting around this topic, what comes to mind? Awareness. You know, there there is our society in general has unconscious bias against women, which you know, it, it, like no one walks into work or into their life and says, oh, yeah, I'm going to favor men. We all do it, though. Even as women, we do it. We don't do ourselves any favors. There's actually been some statistics out there and, and different uh, labs they've done where they've given group of people resumes that are exactly the same. Women, men, names on top, right? They give them the resumes and they say, okay, how much money do you think these people should earn? And more times than not, they give the men more money. It's, it's just, it's an interesting thing. You think about, you know, the way that your life experiences, how you grew up, the societies. You know, I was raised in a time where the biggest goal you had in life, really, in my family, was to get married. And of course, that didn't work out for me until much later in life. But it goes back to what I was saying about how it is changing. Like nowadays, girls are encouraged to go into all sorts of industries. They're going and they're getting the schooling. They're empowered. That Me Too movement has helped as well. So as society changes, these biases will slowly decline. But the first thing is being aware that we all have them. So get this, Nikki. One of the uh, articles that I was reading was talking about orchestra auditions. So you think about traditionally with an orchestra, you go up on stage with your violin or your cello and you play your piece and then you walk off the stage. What they have started doing is have the players, it's sort of like the voice, they do it behind a curtain. And the interesting thing is since they've been doing that, women's ability to actually be picked has gone up by 33%. That's crazy. Like, Again, these unconscious biases that we don't even realize we're doing. And it's not, I'm not pointing my finger at men. This is something women do as well. We all just tend to favor unconsciously the, the, males, the, the males. So um, as an organization, what you can do with this, because obviously you can't always do a blind audition when you're interviewing, but going back to the tools there are tools you can put into place, recruiting tools that will help screen resumes, that will help with the qualification, which will help take out some of the bias and let you look strictly at their experience level to at least get them to the, to the round where you're going to do a live interview. So going back to the tools, that's one of the other things you can do. Is there anything that you suggest when it comes to a leadership team saying, you know, we want to be more aware of this and, you know, we want to have a, a tool or, or an ability to analyze data and all that. But before we do that, we want to get all of our leadership on the same page about this so that we're thinking the same way, if you will. Or do you suggest like workshops on this or, you know, collaboration sessions? Like how do you help a CEO who wants to get here help the leaders? get there? 
I mean, there's definitely, I'm sure there's, there's people out there that will run seminars and, and give you workshops. There's articles all over the place. But a couple of things that, that you can do is put policies in place around things like pay for performance and nine boxing. So I can go into detail on what both of those things are, if that would help. Let's do that. Let's go into those two. Pay for performance is a methodology where instead of just having, you know, everyone gets a merit increase of X percent once a year, or I like and golf with this person, so I'm going to give them a raise versus the other person that I'm not really fond of. When you do a pay for performance, and again, we have tools in our system that will help with this, you have your performance review process. And then when you go in and you add your annual merit increases on top of that, there's a matrix and a scattergram that comes up and it'll show you if you're out of whack. Meaning if I've got a scale of one to five and I have given a couple of fives and a couple of twos, those twos better be getting a smaller raise than the fives. And in your head, that all makes sense. But when you're doing that manually on a spreadsheet and you're disseminating that in your organization with department leads being responsible for their own section and their own budget, it can be very timely. Um, I used to be in HR and it is a painful process when you have to do it manually. So if I can have the system automatically send all that information out. I can have my managers go in and do their modeling and see right away if they're actually on that scattergram the right way. That's one step, right? So that can be the first thing that you do is model the pay for performance. It also helps with employee engagement because there's nothing more frustrating than having an employee because as much as we like to think people don't talk about salary, they absolutely do. So you've got an A player and they get their performance review and their salary increase, and then they've got some coworker that is not an A player, and they get the same amount. That's not very motivating for the A player. Yeah, super frustrating. <laughs> right. So that's the first part, but you can't just rely on that because what can happen, and again, we don't like to think about this, but the unconscious bias, the nepotism that can happen as a manager, I could certainly rate the person that I'm not as fond of lower than the person I am fond of, which then when I go in and I do the salary increase, I look like I'm aligned. So one of the other things that you can uh, instill in your organization is what we call a nine box. And a nine box is essentially you take a stack rank of your organization. And when you visualize it, it is actually a box with nine boxes inside, three on the top, three in the middle, three on the bottom. There's two axes. There's one that talks about performance level on the bottom that goes from left to right. And then there's another axis that goes vertically that's potential. So when you do your performance reviews, you put the people in those boxes. But where the checks and balances come in is you actually have a committee. Now, maybe that's your executive team. Maybe it's some key contributors in the organization. But you essentially come to a consensus on where a person fits 
in those boxes. So if you look at, you know, like a magic quadrant, like Gartner magic quadrant, you want to be in the top right box, right? That's your highest potential and highest performer. But not everyone's going to be in that box. And it's okay not to be in that box. The middle box is saying you're doing your job and you're doing it well. So what you do is you have this conversation and you analyze and nine box your people. And that gives you that check and balance. Because if you have a manager that is not doing what they're supposed to be doing or is biasing a, a segment of their workforce, it's going to come out in the nine box. Unless, of course, you have a team of a whole bunch of people that are biased. But, you know, in most organizations, that's not going to be the case. You're going to have the checks and balances. And again, you want to look at your committee and make sure that you've got a wide uh, cross section of people on that committee. So depending on what employee engagement expert you hear from or what report you read, um, you know, today, usually people will say, you know, pay is way down the list on what drives engagement. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say pay is critical to engagement from a it will quickly disengage. It may be that, you know, meaning and their direct manager is super important and at the top for sure. However, everyone is impacted by pay. You know, it is a key piece of why we work. So just looking at this, like, you know, for those of us that are listening right now, even though we read those reports, it's so important to say, you know, pay is always important and to take a deep dive on how are we making decisions around pay? Because it, if if there is the situation where the person sitting next to you who doesn't show up on fire every day and, you know, definitely is not contributing at the same level is then getting that same exact raise, I promise you that there is opportunity for disengagement to happen immediately when that when when that is taking place. So I just love that you tied that in knowing that gut plus science is all about engagement. And, you know, we just hear these stats all the time or these reports about that. And it's like, but the real deal is everyone cares about it. So I'm so glad that you talked about policies like, and I never heard of nine boxing before. So I love that. And then obviously pay for performance. And I think it just has gotten more of a, a stronger and stronger topic today. And I just challenge everybody to look into that a little bit more. Talk about, you know, companies that are going through acquisitions or they're merging, you know, what to think about during that process, especially when it comes to how we pay our people. So what we were talking about as far as getting that baseline or benchmark, right? You go in, you, you normalize your data, you figure out where everyone's at, you do an inventory of all of their skills and abilities, and you, you segment it out into different segments, <laughs> partitions. But if you acquire another company, you basically have to do it all over again. Because you, you acquire an organization, you're inheriting their people, you're inheriting their culture, you're inheriting whatever policies they had in place, and you ne now need to normalize them into your data. The challenge with it is, for anyone that's ever done an acquisition, there's a lot of things to think about. There's a lot of moving parts. Uh, employee engagement and culture is one of the biggest ones that you want to be mindful of. So you can't just flip a switch overnight. You can't just go in and say, oh, yep, we're out of whack. Let's go in and either cut a, people, a bunch of people's salary or give a bunch of people raises. That's not the way you do business. That's not a healthy way to do business. You have to continue to work on it and figure out ways to engage people. And it goes back to what you were just saying, Nikki, about pay is important. One comment I'll make there is pay is important and engagement is important as far as the equality. I think it's less important as far as how much. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that as a, if I have a good leader and I'm engaged at work and I love what I do, 
I'm probably willing to do it for less money. But if the person beside me that does the exact same job as me makes more to do it, then that's going to irritate me. So that's a good point of clarification, I think, is it's less about how much I make and more about how equally I'm being treated for what I'm contributing. 100%. I love that you made that point. It's going in the show notes. Really good. You brought up unconscious bias, and that is a very real big thing today. I mean, I think it's getting more attention than ever before, which is awesome. And then your main suggestion for our listeners is awareness. And so those two things go together beautifully. Can you maybe give a couple of examples of unconscious biases with regards to our our topic here today that typically hit a majority of people? Like just think about X, Y, and Z. Um, what comes to mind? One of the ones, it would be stereotypes. Typically, emotion is seen as either a weakness or not a leadership quality. And stereotypically, women are more emotional than men. So that would be one. But I would challenge the listeners to think about that a different way. And I'm going to go back to this whole COVID thing that we're dealing with right now. There is a lot of unprecedented discussions and topics that businesses are having to tackle right now because of COVID. And having leaders who are empathetic, who are looking at the soft side and not just looking at business only and not thinking of the implications of, of the employee engagement side, you know, it's, I would argue that you do want that emotion. So I think society is changing, but that would be one bias. Leaders, men make better leaders because they're not going to get all emotional about it. So that would be one example. Another example would be like, likes, like, right? So people are comfortable around people that are like them. So when you have leaders that are men, they're going to be gravitating usually towards men. They're going to want to, you know, they have their buddy that they go and they golf with. So, hey, you know, now that we're golf buddies, I would love you to come and work at my organization. They may not have that same. Um, level of relationship with women. So that would be another one. Again, these are things that can be overcome. And one of the things that I would say to the women out there that are looking to, to continue to expand their promotional opportunities is how do I impact the organization and what can I bring to the table? So it's less about, okay, I've been in this job for three years and now it's time for me to get a promotion. And it's more about, here's what I can do for the organization. Here's the impact that I can make. Here's a project that I think would be a great fit for us. And then it's taking the, the, the promotion part out of it. It's, it's talking and focusing on what you're bringing to the organization. And you will be rewarded for that. Great points. Great points. And these shows fly by. So we're going to have to transition into our next section. Uh, we're going to go into our lightning round where we get to learn just a little bit more about you and how we can follow up with you after the show. So we'll be right back. Okay. So we all know not correctly tracking your employees' time, schedules, and leaves directly impacts things like payroll processing, compliance, and other critical parts of a business. But if you want to learn other ways, like maybe no-brainers, 
you know, those are just reminders, of course, and some not so obvious tips to impact your company's bottom line, go to ascentus.com forward slash gut science. You can see that in the show notes. You can request a complimentary review of your processes and policies as a gut plus science listener for free. All right. We've got Teresa Levis with Ascentus here on gut plus science today loaded episode. We're going to have so many great show notes, show notes and takeaways. We do, Teresa, what we call our lightning round, where we get to know just a little bit more about you, like the personal side of you. So a couple questions. First one is, what is your favorite book of all time or a book that you would recommend today? Favorite book of all time is a little tough, but one of the books that I have people or encourage people that are moving into leadership to read, it's an oldie but a goodie, is Five Levels of Leadership. I think that that is a great book. And how about a favorite vacation spot? Well, sadly, I was supposed to be leaving in a couple of weeks to go to Italy (laughs) with my husband, and that got kiboshed. Um, But we did go a couple of years ago and spent time in Barcelona and Spain and on the um, Riviera, and we just love it there. So I would say any part of Europe, but particularly Italy. And what is a favorite hobby when you're not working? I love to cook. And I love to have dinner parties. So that would be one, like entertaining in general at our home. But then I also like hiking as well. Any time I get a chance to go outside and hike up the side of the mountain and breathe the air, that's something that I've always enjoyed. And then, Teresa, how can our listeners connect with you after the show? So I'm definitely available on LinkedIn. So you can certainly uh, reach out that way. Or you can also uh, send me an email. Uh, My email address is tlevis at ascentus.com. All right, solid episode with Teresa, one of our many human capital thought leader partners from Ascentus. Here's my truth you can act on today. Number one, analyze your payroll detail stats on gender, making sure you have a database in place that can capture the data of your people. And then you can be able to slice and dice to know your current stats and how that baseline can give you a framework to your end game. Number two, awareness. Be aware of your reality with how you pay male versus female and assess why you think the way you do about the different genders and how they get paid. Unconscious bias is very real and we all do it. Just be aware. Number three, put policies in place like pay for performance and nine boxing, as Teresa talked about. These things have a direct correlation to employee engagement. And number four, Equality is directly correlated to employee engagement levels at work as well. It's not just the amounts we pay, though. It's about the equality we bring to that. That's a wrap. We'll see you next week on Gut Plus Science. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.